I wanted to announce a new partnership between Coaching You and Inner Zone Sports. You know, for a long time, one of the intangibles by coaches and athletes is team chemistry. And it's a major factor all the time in whether a team has success or failure. When the folks from Interzone came to me at Coaching You and said, we can even help your team, I was all ears. And what we did is we took a quick assessment, two to four minutes each person, and we were stunned by what we found out about ourselves and our team. You owe it to yourself to find out what Interzone can do for your team. It's the simplest and fastest and most accurate software available to measure team chemistry. I highly recommend, without any reservation, the use of Interzone with your team, whether you're a middle school, high school, college, or professional team, to help take you to the next level. For further information, go to coachingyoulive.com slash Interzone. That's I-N-N-E-R-Z-O-N-E. Let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind in the basketball shooting machine industry that enables players and coaches to stay connected, design and upload training exercises, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is, without question, the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. Don't forget to mention Coaching You and receive $300 off on your next Dr. Dish purchase. That's right. Mention Coaching You or the podcast and get $300 off your Dr. Dish. Hey, welcome to another edition of our Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir. So excited today, Mark Dagnolt, the head coach of Oklahoma City Blue, the G League team of the Oklahoma City Thunder, a fabulous young coach, just turned 34 years old. You ever get a chance to watch him and his teams play, you're going to see a superstar, a rising star in the coaching profession. Uh, He has been the head coach there for five years, and I really wanted to expose the G League, and how it all works to our listeners. So, again, maybe the second-best league in the world. Uh, as an, a league, 27 teams now in the G League. It's first class. The NBA teams uh, all are moving towards having their own minor league team. So it's, it's really something to keep your eye on in the next few years. So after this timeout, we're going to come with Mark Dagnall, Oklahoma City Blue. Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy-to-use interface that can be used on 
both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. It doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastScout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional sky reports customized for your team. FastModel is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of Division I college teams and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills for their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir, and I am so excited today. Mark Dagnall, the head coach of the Oklahoma City Blue, uh, is our guest today. Mark, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me, coach. You know, I almost said the head coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Boy, Billy would have got pissed, huh? <laughs> no, he wouldn't. Have. He's he, like no, he wouldn't have. You're right. Sam Earth. would have. <laughs> <laughs> no question. Everybody else would, but yeah. not him. He's the most humble. He thinks he's an intern still. You know, in his day-to-day operation, he's unbelievable. Well, you know, I'm a guy from the Northeast, from Jersey, and uh, so you grew up in Mass, outside Boston, outside Worcester, my favorite, one of my favorite towns, Worcester. And yeah. uh, I almost went to Worcester Academy. How about that? And, Worcester Academy, good yeah. spot. Oh, yeah. My high school coach was UB Brown, and he left after my sophomore year, and it was like I was devastated i was i didn't i didn't want to play for anyone else so i was going to transfer to worcester academy and at the last minute you know changed my mind but i i really should have because it, it was such as you know such a great program from when d row was there and new and new england basketball is so incredible but you know what was interesting to me and you know you're you know you work for one of the one of my near neatest friends but also one of the best teachers in the game and the thing that i i was blown away and i know you remember this is i'm watching the coach in the Orlando Magic Summer League a couple of years ago. And you're doing what you're supposed to do in the Summer League. You're not caught up on winning games. You're caught up on teaching, developing, and evaluating the guys that you got there. And I am absolutely blown away by the stuff you're running to the point where I said, hey, Mark, you can really coach. And I told Billy, I said, Mark can really coach. And, And at the time, I'm not sure if you had won a game. But it really didn't matter because I was so impressed by you. So I, I really think, you know, what you do is incredible. And I think the experience that you're getting, uh, you know, is just unique as could be for someone at your age. What Talk about the G League. You know, we don't, have, we don't do many once a year, maybe twice a year, we do someone with the G League. But tell me about the G League and its importance in NBA basketball. Well, it's evolved um, quite a bit in a really short period of time. That's been probably the most impressive thing is like when I talk about my first year in the league, um, it, it feels like, or it sounds like I'm talking about 20 years ago. You know, there was like 17 teams, two way contracts had not been introduced. Um, And it was, it was very much kind of the, 
the, the older school G League. Yep. Where they want every team to have an affiliate. Um, there's more assignments coming to the G League from NBA teams. The teams are closer to their NBA cities. Uh, there's more players from the G League going to NBA rosters. And now the two-way contracts bridges the gap even more. Um, so, I mean, that's what's been exciting about it and impressive is like how quickly and efficiently they've really evolved the league in a short period of time. Um, and it's just a great platform for everybody involved uh, from players, obviously, to coaches and staffs, you know, our medical staff and performance staff. So many of our people that are with the Thunder now came through the blue program over the last couple of years. And then even like referees, like there's no longer going to be an NBA official that doesn't pass through the G league. So uh, they've done a really, really good job and it's exciting to be a part of. No, I, I think uh, the G league is one of the greatest innovations in basketball uh, in the last 20 years, because what, ha what has happened is now you can argue a few leagues, the, you can argue Euro league only, which is about, you know, 10, 12 different countries, but it's the second best league in the world, my opinion. And because the players are so darn good, they're so competitive. Uh, talk about the, you know, and you're, I, I was looking at your schedule before we talked and I'm saying, Oh my God, it might be harder than the Thunder schedule. I mean, the teams you play are so tough. The road schedule is amazing. But talk about uh, the competition. Well, it's interesting. I mean, the thing that is so unique about it is every single night, you know, your team could be different from the night before. So can your opponent. Um, and every player that's in the league um, – is internalizing the experience as a very high stakes experience. And I would say summer league's probably pretty similar. You know, these are all players that are not necessarily on solid ground in their career, including guys that are under NBA contract that are on assignment, because if they're on assignment, it's probably because they're not in a rotation yet and they're trying to prove themselves. And so that's, I think what gives the league the competitive edge that it has is that every player is playing with, a perception of very, very high stakes for their own individual career. And yet they also understand that in order to get to where they want to go, they need to prove that they can play within a team. And um, that presents obviously different challenges as the rosters are fluid and your opponents are fluid and things like that. But that's, I think, where the competition comes from is the players, the, the edge they bring to it. They are not where they want to be. Um, and it's a very, very unique context because I think like when they're in college, um, there's a certain delusion that I think they naturally have where they, they think they're going to get there and they don't quite know uh, how hard it is or how hard it will be for them. And then when they're in the NBA, they're obviously where they have always dreamed of being. This is like this little niche right in between those two things where um, they understand the reality of their career. Um, they're very, very honest with themselves because of that. But yet they're unbelievably committed and hungry because they're not quite where they want to be yet. Talk about the coaching in the league. I think that's because of the investment the teams are making and the NBA. Uh, talk about how the coaching has gotten better and how important it is to have good coaches to develop these guys. Well, the, the thing that I, you know, is just impressive around the league from a coaching standpoint is just how adaptive everybody has to be. Um, because you're 
being dealt a different hand oftentimes, you know, from one night to the next, like I mentioned. And that's kind of like, it's really not something that you can complain about, you know, because everybody's going through it and it's just the nature of it. So um, the coaches in the league, it's kind of a no excuse mentality where everyone is trying to maximize the circumstances that they have at a given point in time. Um, and then from a developmental standpoint, obviously taking a long view on the job for the organization, I think takes a tremendous amount of discipline because obviously you'd like to win the game that you're playing on a given night, but um, the league itself and specifically the program, and I, I can't speak for every team in the league, but I can certainly speak for us. Um, this team is an investment in the Thunder, and we see it as really nothing more than that um, or nothing less. So, Mark, talk about the investment the Thunder make for your team, the Blue, uh, to be successful. Sam and, you know, I probably Mr. Bennett, because he's obviously overseeing the whole operation. Uh, and Billy, I would say those three stakeholders specifically make an unbelievable investment in our program. Um, starting with just the resources, you know, you can, uh, you know, greatest chef in the world needs really good ingredients in order to make a good meal. Right. And, um, you know, from a resourcing standpoint, like, if you are a player here or a staff member here in the Thunder organization or the Blue program, like you really have no excuse not to be doing the best work of your career, whether you're a player or a trainer or a coach. Um, if I ever went to Sam and I said, hey, like if, you know, we really need this, um, I've never had to do this, but if I did, um, in order for our program to maximize itself or in order for us to, fully develop our players to the best of our ability, he would probably get it done before the phone call ended. Um, that's the mentality that the organization takes to the program. They don't take one shortcut when it comes to resourcing from our facilities to um, the food that our players eat, uh, where our players live, and how we staff the program. Um, and that just sends a very loud and clear message to everybody involved that this is a tremendous opportunity that shouldn't be taken for granted, that we should all be tremendously grateful for. And the only way to really say thank you for that is to maximize the opportunity. Right. And, um, you know, it puts a tremendous amount of pressure in a good way on everybody in the program to do their best work because you really, it removes all excuses. You've got everything you need to be the best that you can possibly be at this given point in time. And I credit the organization for that because it obviously costs money and it takes time and energy to do that. Uh, but they really are all in on it. I'm very grateful. You know, the great lead, your great leader of the Thunder, Sam Pressy, uh, is absolutely one of my favorite people. And he, I try to get him as often as possible to speak at my leadership program for the Players Association uh, to develop players that want to go into front office work. And a couple of times that he's been able to come by he just blew us away with a couple of things. One was his philosophy that when you come to the Thunder in any position as a coach at any of the levels, if you come as a trainer, a media person, or you come as a G League or NBA player, he wants it to be the very best experience that you've ever had in pro basketball. I th I've never heard anyone articulate that. I thought it was 
So brilliant. The second thing that I want to ask you about, though, is about culture. That great word that we use in business, in teams now, in sports. But OKC, from the parent club, the Thunder, to your team, you guys have great culture. How do you develop it? Well, I think, you know, going back to the resourcing um, and going back to Sam's mentality, you know, that you mentioned before where he wants this to be uh, the best experience of your career. um, I think that has a lot to do with it because, uh, like I said, it removes all excuses and it puts pressure on each individual, very positive pressure to do to live up to that and to do your best work and to make it the best uh, experience of your professional career. So I'd say that has a lot to do with it. Um, and then the other thing is just the people that are in the organization. And that's, you know, one of Sam's great strengths is, you know, when I'm at the Thunder building, this is how I describe it to people that we're interviewing or people that we've already hired. You know, there's a, like a food room in the back, um, like a cafeteria type thing. And there's chefs back there, and it's kind of a, a communal area in the in the building, and you can go back there um, and sit down at any point in the day, and you could be sitting across the table or next to somebody in the organization that you work with every day that is very very competent, impressive, humble. You can learn from them, and I think from a cultural standpoint, and that that includes players, by the way. You know, I think sometimes. Um, those things are seen separately, but uh, I have such admiration for some of the players that have come through here, both at the G League and the pro and the NBA level. Um, that that to me is what drives the culture in the organization. Is just you know, no matter who you bump into, you can walk around with your eyes closed. Whoever you knock over is going to be someone that's really good at their job, highly committed to the organization, but yet very humble and very easy to work with and very likable. And that's you know, at the end of the day. There's probably a couple other ingredients that go into it, but that's what I feel on a day-to-day basis working in the organization. You know, Mark, I have a very strong belief that the coach, you know, whether it be Billy or whether it be yourself, uh, whether it be your high school coach, whether it be Jim Calhoun or, you know, Ralph Ward or Billy D when you work for him in Florida, that those people are probably the most influential people that you meet in life or as a coach. Now you have that responsibility of being a big influence, influential person on your players. Uh, You understand that responsibility. And I think a lot of coaches, unfortunately don't, and you see it in their actions. But I know you people in OKC are very, very intentional about everything you do. What is are, is Billy one that kind of talks about that, and or and Sam, uh, or is that because we have such high quality people that kind of comes with the territory? I think mostly comes with the territory. Um, and the thing that you have to understand as well, you know, organizationally is, you know, when I get to the organization. Um, you know, they were five or six years in already and had established a high, high standard. Um, and it had a lot of success and not just on court success. It had a lot of success in a lot of different ways. Um, and same with, with coach Donovan. I mean, we both came at a time where we were walking into something that 
was already established to a large extent and there was a foundation already built. And so um, it became about uh, helping to evolve that, but not necessarily trying to reinvent it because it was something that was very solid. Um, and it was, you know, I could speak for myself. It was the reason I came here. Um, and I'm sure it, you know, coach Donovan would agree with that. So, you know, I think that's, that's one thing that is important to, you know, as, as much of a driver as the head coach might be in that the organization you work for is bigger than the individual coach. And that was the thing I was, was impressed with coach Donovan when I was with him in Florida is a lot of college coaches kind of, um, they, they become bigger than the university in a lot of ways and they embrace that in a lot of ways. And and the thing that was always impressive about him is he's a, obviously a hall of fame coach that's had an immense amount of success. And yet it was net, he was never bigger than Florida. And I think that's also, you know, why he's so appealing in the NBA because he's never bigger than the thunder and he's really never bigger than his players. You know, he sees himself as a servant to the team and a servant to the organization and he did back when he was 20 years in at Florida and had won national championships and taken that program to national prominence. So, um, you know, that's certainly an example that I've learned from and try to, you know, live up to as difficult as it is, as you know. Yeah. What's the best part of being a G League head coach? I know it's um, not the per diem, okay, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, the best part for me is, you know, like, the the players that you get to work with, like I said before, they are at a very vulnerable point in their career mm-hmm. um, where they are humbled by the circumstances that they're in. You know, they, they are not where they want to be and they are living the reality of that. Um, and yet they are very committed to working to change that and working to improve their circumstances or improve their game, whatever the case may be. So you've got them at this like very unique stage in their lives where they have this unique combination of commitment and humility, which is a tough balance usually, but the league is kind of ripe for that. And I think it makes coaching very enjoyable because they want honest feedback. They want to know how they can improve. Um, They want to be shot straight. And like, I, I try to express this to our staff, like we, in a lot of ways, you know, they, they're entrusting us with their careers, you know, and that they're willing to bet on their experience here with Oklahoma city for the good of their career. And that's like a great, when you hold that in your hands, that's a great responsibility. Obviously the stakes are very high for them and therefore the stakes are very high for us. And, um, the combination of, of being able to work with them at that stage, which makes it very enjoyable to coach, but also the impact that you can have because of where they're at in their career, that combination, you know, there's just never been a day where this has felt old. There's never been a day that I haven't been, I mean, we've had losing streaks. We've had, you know, a lot of different experiences here, but there's never been a day where I'm not like jumping out of bed to go to work in the morning. It's never felt like work. And I think the main reason is because of the players we get to work with and then the time that we get to work with them. You know, one of the really cool things, I think, uh, you know, many ways, uh, the two-way contract has changed a little bit. But I've always felt that, you know, in many ways, uh, your role, you know, the coach of the G League team, in many ways, you're a dream coach. You help players' dreams come true, right? 
And so talk about the satisfaction you get either when a two-way contract player or just a quote-unquote free agent makes it, either with your team or with another team, you know, where he gets to the league, he, he reaches his goal. Yeah, I'm, I'm conflicted on that um, because on one hand, I know that's why they wake up every morning from when they were however tall they were. You know, every player's dream is to play in the NBA, and it's such a zero-sum proposition. You know, you're either in the NBA or you're not. Um, and so when players that we've gotten to coach or that we've gotten no quote-unquote make it, um, you know, it's an incredible accomplishment for them. And it's something that, you know, they obviously have been chasing for a long period of time and you can't help but be moved by that. But the other thing is, you know, like I told uh, our team this earlier this year, and this is some of our analytics guys look this up for me and don't quote me on this. I don't know how like totally accurate this is, but it's, it's ballpark accurate. In the last five years, 868 different players have played in the NBA, and there's only 450 roster spots. Mm -hmm. And uh, I believe 219 of them have been in the NBA all five years. So that's Russell Westbrook, Robertson, Stephen Adams. You know, that's the guys that are in the league that are pretty constant, you know, presence in the league. The other 231 spots have been occupied by 649 different players in five years, which is basically three to one. And what I've learned is to look at this idea of who an NBA player is or isn't, or who makes it or doesn't. It's, it's not as black and white as the paycheck is, or as the per diem is, or, you know, the ride on the charter plane, it's on a gray scale, you know, and somewhere in that gray scale, there's a line drawn and the guys that are to the right of the line are in the NBA and the guys that are to the left aren't. And that's obviously always changing as, as rosters change. But the, the thing that makes me, that moves me more than necessarily a guy getting over that line is when the players evolve themselves and when they do something they've never done before, or they feel a certain way they've never felt, or they've gained a certain level of confidence, either in a skill or in themselves that they've never accessed before, because that's something that's accessible to every player. And unfortunately the NBA isn't. Um, and to be honest with you like that, I I'm more moved by that in a game in, on a given random night in Salt Lake city, Utah, or wherever we are, than necessarily when a guy makes it, you know, when they make it, I'm certainly happy for them, but um, only a select few get to experience that. But all of them can experience the growth and the evolution that they're capable of while they're here. And that's what we try to put the focus on because that's something that's within their control. Um, and it's something to be honest with you that, you know, for me at least is more meaningful than um, the million dollar contract and stuff like that. But obviously uh, there's a reality to that as well. I'm a little idealistic if you haven't been able to tell. So Mark, you talk about, the process. And, you know, I know you're not Joel Embiid, but you talk about the process and you talk about how that's what you want to teach players, okay, and to be successful. And that not just day by day or game by game or skill by skill, but moment by moment sometimes. Uh, how do you go about that with young people who, as you know, the, the, the degree of player that you're coaching and the level that they've already been coached, 
really vacillates, right? So ha- you're really starting from scratch in many cases. Yeah, I mean, what I would say is, you know, one of the hardest things to do is reminding yourself that every player is different. Um, and every player has different experiences up to the point that they are in your program. Mm -hmm. And every player is unique in their personality and in their game. And, you know, I think that's really, really hard, especially when you build a body of work where you've coached a lot of different players, you start to see similarities and you're like, Oh, this guy's exactly like he was. And, um, you start to generalize and you start to, and, and I think you really do a disservice to the player you're working with when you do that, but it's hard not to do, obviously. Um, so I think that's like the starting point is understanding that everybody's different. And then from there, as you start to explore that and try to discover who this person is and who this player is and who they can become, who they want to become, you know, there's obviously a partnership in that process. I think, you know, the next thing, like a, a huge ingredient is just like an optimism, an overall optimism that people can improve, players can improve. And what that allows you to do is focus on their strengths, not only the strengths they have now, but the strengths that they can develop. Um, to me, like those two things are like critical at the beginning of the process. And they're both extremely hard to do. You know, like it's really hard to see everybody as unique. That's not how our brains typically work. And it's also really hard when a guy's like dribbling off his foot to maintain the level of optimism necessary to best coach him. But I do think um, I would say I fall short in that all the time. So I'm not preaching right now. Um, but that's certainly what it requires. And, you know, that's a hard standard to live up to, but that's certainly, um, what we, what we aspire to. And I would say, you know, going back to the thunder, like that's an organizational value right there. That's not something that, um, you know, I brought with me necessarily in my toolbox. That's something that is talked about very regularly in our organization across a, a lot of different disciplines. Talk about X's and O's. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, what we've learned uh, when we've coached in college and then we coach in the NBA or in professional basketball and you have the luxury of going to training camp, any practices that aren't conflicting and, of course, games. NBA, uh, G League, it's a different sport than college, in my opinion. Uh, talk about the X's and O's and the importance of them and <laughs> uh, special situations you know, you guys get to do some things that, you know, advancing the ball and things like that to try out even new rules or just the idea of how I wish we had in college, just advancing the ball, how you have to be so prepared and stuff like that. Talk about uh, the level of coaching in, the, in professional ball. Well, first of all, you know, everybody wants to have relationships with their players. Everybody wants to earn respect and earn trust and there's a lot of different ways to do that, but I think the number one currency um, to build relationships, meaningful relationships with your team and to earn respect and trust on a day by day basis is through your competence. You know, at the end of the day, they want to know that you can help them improve. And when you're in the game, they want to know that, you know, the best path forward to help the team win. That's their expectation of the coach. Um, just like we have high standards for players, you know, in help defense or in execution, that's their expectation for us is that we can help them get better. 
we can help uh, bind the team together around shared values that that will put everybody in a position of strength. And that's a day by day battle that um, you have to earn and that you you have to win. And oftentimes uh, I fall short. But that's the currency of trust and respect, in my opinion, in professional basketball is like they want to know if you know your stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that's that's to me the most important thing about the X's and O's is is it is the that's the language through which you can communicate with your players. And then with the situational stuff and, um, you know, like it's just every game's different, you know, kind of like uh, every player's different, every game unfolds in a different way. Um, and it's, you gotta be incredibly adaptive. That's what's so impressive about watching NBA coaches is just watching how they manage their team within a game and manage the game while they're going against somebody that's probably just as good as they are at it. Um, I love watching the end of NBA games, just what, cause that's where I think, um, coaches really are in their keep, um, in game is, you know, that's where there's a lot of control for the coach because of the timeouts and the advancing and that sort of thing. And the NBA coaches are just masterful at that, mm-hmm. uh, being able to just continually put their team in the best possible positions to win. And obviously the players have to deliver and a lot of them do. And that's why they're in the NBA. But from a coaching standpoint, um, that's that's what's most impressive to me it, from a situational standpoint. Mark, is the G- uh, you know, I've only seen about three G League games uh, on TV this uh, season, but um, do do you feel is the G League really moving style play wise like the NBA is at a real fast pace and space type thing where there you know very little set plays compared to what we had in the old days, so to speak, you know, it, it's really more five out open game and stuff like that. Is, is that also going to the G league? Yeah, I think, you know, the thing about the G league is typically, um, the size of, of each position is a little bit smaller than the NBA. I would say that's probably sure. one of the bigger, yep. um, differences is like the, the athletic profile from a size and athleticism standpoint, um, that's where there, I think there's a drop off from the NBA to the G league. So it tends to be a smaller league, which usually lends to a faster game and more perimeter orientation, if you will. Um, but the, the thing about the NBA that's, that's pretty fascinating is like a lot of the times the style of play of a team is dictated by, um, the players on the team specifically on the top of the roster. So, I would say that um, because the G League, first of all, rosters are fluid, so the rosters are changing very rapidly. And then also because you don't typically in the G League choose your best player and like really uh, put your eggs in that basket. It's more conceptual, I think, than the NBA in a lot of ways, Hmm. whereas the style of um, Golden State obviously has a lot to do with the skill of their players, the style of Houston has a lot to do with the fact that James Harden is their point guard, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I would say that's the NBA is more um, personnel dominant in that way, whereas the G League is more conceptual just because the players are not as constant as they are in the NBA. There's there's more variance and there's more fluidity. And I think that lends to when you're coaching, you know, knowing that 
the team you start the season with might be different from the team you end the season with. And the, your best player, so to speak, at the beginning of the season may not be with you in a month. I think that lends to uh, coaching more out of concepts and having more of a stylistic identity um, that's kind of independent of personnel than the NBA. And Mark, how, how important from your standpoint is it getting an opportunity to be the head coach or, or even if you're not the head coach, alternate as the head coach of the summer league team? Just in terms of development of a yeah, coach? Yeah, for yourself, or, the development of yourself, let's say. Yeah, I mean, it's it certainly feels different. Um, you know, the one thing I'd say, though, is like, I think there's this notion when assistants go to to becoming head coaches that it's like, um, especially when you become a head coach, there's like this narrative where it's like, well, you, you could never understand unless you do it. And, you know, there, there certainly is a difference to 18 inches and all the things you hear. But I also think that, um, the work that you do leading up to it has a lot to do with how well you'll transition. Right. Specifically, um, your ability to understand context you know, like if you're an assistant coach and you have a scout and like the only thing you're focused on um, from now until the game is Georgia, you know, or whoever you're scouting. Right. Um, you're not necessarily understanding the full picture the way that, you know, Coach Donovan does, you know, like to use Florida as an example. You know, he's thinking about Georgia, but he's also thinking about managing the team. He's also thinking about, you know, this player isn't playing well right now. He's also thinking about, you know this next recruit, you know, like there's, there's a larger context than just the Georgia scout. And I think, um, some of the best assistants I've been around, um, have an understanding of that context and they're, they're less, they're not operating in a vacuum, so to speak. So I actually think that the mentality that you take when you're an assistant coach, both contextually, and then also like understanding the importance of details. That's what you mentioned, coach Willard, like that's the best thing I ever learned from Coach Willard is just the importance of every task. Like excellence does not discriminate. You know, it doesn't matter what you're doing. If, if you want to be great, you know, if you study great people, great people do everything great. They don't, they don't discriminate what they're going to put their effort into. They just, they have one way of doing it and that's how they do everything. And I think when you're an assistant coach, if you take that approach to it, um, while understanding the greater context then I think you you may not be totally prepared for the first time you step in front of a team, um, but you'll be a lot closer, you know? And I think the mentality of, well, you'd never understand until you do it can create some helplessness in assistant coaches. Like, well, I just, I need an opportunity and you can kind of sit on your hands a little bit, but I, I think there's a lot that you could be doing. And I've, I probably learned this more in hindsight than when I was actually an assistant, but do you, are you thinking in terms of the big picture and are you attacking every detail of your job mm-hmm. um, with the, the level of force that it deserves? And when you do that, then those things become somewhat second nature. That way of approaching things and thinking becomes second nature. So when, if and when you do get an opportunity, you are that much closer to being prepared. You know, when you get an opportunity uh, to be in training camp with the Thunder, uh, 
the opportunity to be with those guys during that first week when I think it is so critical where so much teaching is getting done. I think one of the biggest differences that I've observed is the difference between college and pro coaching is how efficient the teaching is. And it even goes back to the summer, how you can get a team ready to play in three days. And, you know, we have college teams that takes five weeks and they're still not ready, you know, and, and three days and you go out to Vegas and you watch a team play and you say, gosh, darn, they, they look like they've been practicing for two months. They, they execute so well. What's the secret in that? I hate to say this, but I think the secret is circumstances. You know, um, you're forced to do it. And at the pro level, you know, if you are preparing for an NBA season, you know, take Coach Donovan, take the Thunder. They're about to play 82 games where they're not going to have like three straight days without a game until all-star break. And so it just, it forces them to be unbelievably efficient in training camp because they know, you know, if they want something for the season, they better pack it now, you know, because if they don't, it's going to be hard to catch up to. Um, Whereas, you know, in college, you know, I think the amount of time that you have both in the preseason and then in between games can lend to some of that inefficiency that you speak of. But I I think it's circumstantial. I don't think um, NBA coaches are like, if you gave um, me, I'll use myself as an example, because I don't want to criticize anybody else. But if you gave me, you know, 10 days to prepare for a game, I would probably add way too much and be incredibly inefficient and not nearly as efficient as I'd be uh, if you gave me one day. And I think that has just a natural impact because you just have to adapt to it. You have no other choice. It's kind of like if um, if you're in school and you have a project and you're like, okay, your project's due in a month versus if you say, okay, the project's due tomorrow. Well, obviously, you're going to be way more efficient, focused, um, and have more energy for it in one day than if you if you knew you had 30. I think there's like a human nature element to that as much as it is like a criticism of college coaching. Yeah. Mark, when you've been with the Thunder now, uh, you've had Russell Westbrook, you've had Kevin Durant, you've had, you know, so many terrific players. What, 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 talk about Russell Westbrook briefly. Give me like, you know, you know, you know, 20 seconds on Russell. What makes him special? What makes him special is, uh, the confidence that he has to be fully vulnerable competitively, his willingness to fully compete. Um, you know, like I think competitive vulnerability, like not hiding, you know, like it's easy to hide in competition because failure, you know, there's, there's all kinds of traps you could fall into and fail in. And he, he only thinks about, the win he only thinks about, and it takes incredible courage and vulnerability to do that. Um, and, and he'll take that head on night after night, after night, after night, which is obviously I'm not telling anybody anything they don't know just by watching him play, but that's his most admirable quality in my opinion. How how about Durant? What did you see about him that, you know, did you see, I mean, he was terrific when he was with you guys. Did you see this next level that he went to? I think he had it. I mean, I was with uh, Coach Donovan his last year in OKC, and I thought he had it then. Yeah. And, you know, obviously the years before that, I mean, he was an MVP. 
the thing that was most impressive to me about him is for a guy that literally can do whatever he wants offensively, he plays defense and he passes. Ah. Like those two, those two things. Um, you know, there's a lot of really good players out there that can do what they want offensively, and those are kind of unheralded skills. You know, it, yeah. he will make the he wants to make the right play on offense with the ball. So if there's two on him, he wants to get off it. And then defensively, like he's fully invested defensively. And I don't think that's new. I mean, um, I was with them for a couple months there in his last year. And I was so impressed by that, you know, just night after night, even in the regular season before it goes to another level in the playoffs. Like I I was really impressed by his willingness to do those things. That's huge. That's huge. Didn't know that. Uh, And one of my favorite guys is Steven Adams. Uh, As Pop, I thought, said the other day, he's scared of him when he sees him. I thought that was so funny, you know, but talk about Steven Adams. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously like a physical element to all three of those guys. I mean, just the size of those guys is obviously a separator for them. Um, The thing about Adams is, is, you know, you talk with players about embracing their role. And there's this tendency, I think, when a player becomes very good as a role player, they want to they want to do more. They want to do they want to evolve their jump shot or they want to, Mm -hmm. you know, like there's a tendency of always wanting more. Um, He is. In my opinion, I'm not around him every day, but he is f- like fully content being great at what he does great every single night right. for the team. You know, like he he wants nothing more than to be great at his role for the Thunder. And I think that's just such a rare thing, especially in today's day and age where um, there's kind of this societal narcissism that we have. Um, it's very, very difficult to find people like that that are content just giving their very best at what they do very well for the team every night. If you were to boil down that category in the NBA, I would say there's probably very few players in it, and he's one of them. Mm. And one of my favorite guys on your team, and someone that's just had an incredible year, is Paul George. What makes him so special? I think that, you know, the thing about him is just, first of all, he is a he's an elite two-end player. I mean, that guy defensively is just on another level. And again, there's a physical element to it. You know, he's got great length and he's got great athleticism laterally, but his instincts on that end of the floor are just unbelievable. I mean, he really might be the best defender in the NBA right now. Wow. And then you combine that with um, what he can do offensively. And then the other thing about the guy is just like, he is the same guy every day. Um, and really doesn't get too high or too low. You know, he shows up every day and is operating at his pace. He's not really going to be thrown off kilter by, um, one game or one play or anything, you know, like he just, he is a steady, steady, steady presence. Um, and I think he gets knocked for it from time to time, like nationally. And I, I think that's totally unfair. It's actually admirable that he can just stay at that level when there's so much, um, in competition, I mean, there's just so many ebbs and flows and ups and downs, and he seems to just weather that in such a poised way. Well, it, it, you, it's just a fantastic opportunity that you have, and you do an incredible job, and you're having a great year, Mark. And, and I'm so appreciative of you you know, visiting with us because uh, for those of our listeners who we have, not just from the U.S., but all over the world that you know don't get to really even see the G League as much, 
it's an amazing league with great talent and guys that eventually, you know, c- get to the league. And uh, uh, I'm really proud and uh, love what you're doing. And uh, c- thank you so much for catching up with us. Coach, appreciate you having me. I had a good time. Thank you, Mark. Uh, love, love catching up with him. Got a chance to really watch him coach and teach. And I'm telling you, he is so good. And the opportunity I have worked for Scotty Brooks, uh, you know, worked with Billy Donovan, both at Florida and now here, being around that Oklahoma City culture, uh, the Thunder culture of Sam Pressy, one of the best executives in the league, as well as working for the great Jim Calhoun at UConn, uh, you know, as one of his first jobs. And for, you know, with one of the great, great coaches, Ralph Ward at Holy Cross, uh, this this young man is going to be a rising star. Keep an eye on him, and you're going to really like what you see. You get a chance to go out to Las Vegas in the summer, watch him coaching in the summer league. Till next week, this is the coach, Brendan Sir. 